Well, again, we want to welcome you here, whether this is your first time here or your hundredth time here. We are so glad that you are here. There is a place for you in God's house and in his family uh, today. It's no accident that you're here, and we want you to know as we move into the message portion of the service that um, you're not anonymous to God. He knows you. He knows your story. He knows what brought you here today, and we've been praying over those very seats that you're sitting in today. God knows you. He knows everything about you, and he knows what you and I need to hear today. He knows everything about us, and so we're not just another face in the crowd today, but you're a part of this more than you know. And and so as we kind of look back at the last 25 years, but we also look ahead to the next 10 years, the next decade, and even beyond that with this new vision that Mike's going to be talking about, know that you're a part of that. You're a part of that. And the reason that you're here is not just because of what's been going on at this campus for the last 11 years, but what's been going on the last 25 years and even beyond that. You're here because somebody invited you. You're here because somebody reached out to you. You're here because somebody was sitting in these same chairs and went, you know what? I'm glad I'm here, but it doesn't end there. Every every single one of you has a one, (laughs) has a person, maybe two or three or four or more that you've invited to say, you know what? God's filling me up. I'm getting connected and I want other people to experience that as well. And so we want to encourage you to continue to do that, not just on this special birthday weekend and not just when you get an extra hour of sleep. Uh, I think we'll just do that next weekend too. We'll just call it daylight savings every week and then you get an extra hour. That would be awesome. We want want to encourage you to invite every single weekend. It's worth it. It's worth it. And we could not be more excited about where we're going as a church. So Pastor Mike is up today. All of our campuses are joining together, as you heard in the video, over 10 different locations tuning in today from all over uh, the state of Iowa as well as Kansas City. And we could not be more excited for this vision as well. Normally, Chris or I are up here preaching live, but once in a while, it's really, really important to all hear from Pastor Mike together as we gear up for the next 10 years together. And so with that, we'll turn it over to Pastor Mike. The feeling of being welcomed hasn't changed. We want you to come and meet Jesus. We want to walk alongside you. We want to support you. We're constantly building and deepening our relationship with Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is here and you can feel it. I see people come in to hope for the first time. They leave filled up and they say, God touched my heart here. And I don't know why, but I can't stop crying. The, the mission of the church of reaching out to the world and to share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ, I saw that in my experience. And we became members. When I tell my story to friends out there in Des Moines, they're like, are you sure? Is there a church like that? I say, come and check it out. The Holy Spirit is, is, is drawing people here. That There's something just deeper. And you can feel that at all the different places we worship. I can't tell you that it hasn't been a little bit overwhelming when you're setting up in some of these places and you look at all the empty seats and think, oh man, <laughs> who's going to come? I mean, like, how are all these seats going to get filled? The next day or later that day, you see the seats get filled up. Hope is worshipped in over 25 places over the last 25 years, so it's clearly not about the building, it's about the God we worship. There's no way to do something like this without God having his hand in it. The numbers, the, the lives change, the stories that you hear time and time again, it's, it's God doing his work and using hope, and so we should all be humbled and blessed to know that that's happening. It's exciting to think about what what's to come. It's amazing what it, you know, this church, this size does now, the, the Super Bowl program, the building houses. You have a critical mass of people doing good things. 
Pastor Mike asked for folks to volunteer to plant the uh, church in Enkeni. We raised up our hands, my family, we committed to uh, one year. Here is an opportunity for me to serve. Each one of the campuses feel like hope. When you walk in, you know that it's Ankeny, but you also know that it's hope. In downtown Des Moines, you can feel that. And so I think that that's the reason why each one of the campuses are growing like they are, like what we have with our Hope Locals. And I can't wait to see those popping up throughout um, the U.S. and, you know, overseas, too. We started out as kind of a little neighborhood church, and I think God is challenging us to see that the neighborhood is way bigger than we ever, ever dreamed it could possibly be. He didn't just say the more. He didn't say Iowa. He said the world around us. This church will continue to blossom and continue to grow. God sees the heart of the church. When I was in elementary school, I remember thinking hope was just so big. Now I look back and go, wow, I never would have even thought it would have been this big. And that's what I think is going to happen in the future. People are going to look back and it's going to be like, remember in 2019 we thought hope? was huge. I mean, little did we know it would be this big. Who knows where it'll be in 25 years? I'm willing to bet God will exceed our expectations on that one. I'm just saying this is the beginning. This is just the beginning. Lutheran Church of Hope is like a monster seed that is deep-rooted in God's world. Just give me a second, I'll be right with you. <laughs> My goodness. Uh, Eric said it well there at the end. Lutheran Church of Hope is like a mustard seed. And that comes from Mark chapter 4. Jesus said, the kingdom of God, of which Christ, and we are the body of Christ, Christ in the world today, the kingdom of God, that's us, is like a mustard seed planted in the ground. It's the smallest of all seeds. And then Jesus goes on to say, but it turns into, it transforms into the greatest of all shrubs. And so it is the story of Lutheran Church of Hope that we start as the teeniest, tiniest mustard seed. Just a, I mean, you've seen a mustard seed, right? You, you can put it between your fingers and you can barely see it. it, it it's just a, just a whisper a, a, of a seed. It's just the tiniest of all seeds. And what God can do with that tiny seed is miraculous. And that is what we've experienced here for the last 25 years. Nothing short of miracles. It isn't overstating it at all to, to call what's happened here at Lutheran Church of Hope a, a miracle. We, we were eight or 12 people on a, on a Sunday. We were one bad Sunday away from closing for several months. I mean, it was week to week. We're just hanging on by a thread. I mean, the, the thinnest of threads. And, and Mike Horseman said it so well. Our, our choir, one of our choir directors now, that was awesome, that, that choir piece uh, today. And he, he said it so well. He said, you know, I walked in and was like, okay, there's eight people. He was the new organist uh, who came in. And he goes, I guess this is church. Let's go. Uh, let's see what happens. Pastor Caroline, who wasn't Pastor Caroline at the time, she's Dr. Caroline. Now she's the Reverend Dr. Caroline and a pastor on our staff came to this church and thought, well, we want a small church, but not this small. This is out of control. You heard my wife say in that video that we had new member classes where it was my wife and I, you know, we made cookies. Well, she made cookies and we made coffee. Well, she made coffee. And, and we, we prayed and, and we, we prayed that people would come and we invited everybody. And we had a bunch of them where the, the number of people who showed up was zero. 
And we put the cookies and the coffee away and, and nobody was there to eat and, and to drink and said, well, maybe, maybe next time. Maybe. Hmm. And, then, and then to see in that video my son, uh, who's 29 years old and lives in Charlotte now, and he's, he's grown up in this church. He remembers it well from childhood and he saw the growth. He is on the screen and he's 29 years old now. And that's exactly how old I was when I started here at Hope. And if, don't do the math, but if you do, you, you can start to kind of see where I'm at now. So it hits me on all sorts of levels. And it's not just the story of the people who were here 25 years ago, it's you. Whoever you are, you're out at the Waukee campus right now, or at Grimes, or in Ankeny, or, or at the Des Moines campus, or in Ames, or at one of our local sites, or you're watching online somewhere, anywhere in the world to our live service right now, live stream service, it's you. It's no accident that you're here. God's written you into this story. If you can hear my voice right now, you're in this story. This is your birthday. You're not just here witnessing a church's birthday. It's our birthday together. We celebrate it together. So, so happy birthday, Hope. It's no accident that you're here. We believe, and we've been praying for this, that God would lead people here who uh, he wants to hear the good news of his love, who he wants to uh, invite into his house to worship and to, to be a part of something bigger than us, the, the body of Christ, like a tiny mustard seed planted in the ground that becomes the greatest of all shrubs and it becomes home for birds who, who make their nests there and, and, and for little animals who, who, who run around the branches and it becomes home. This has become home for us. This has become the holy space where God meets us. Whatever campus you're at right now or whatever local site, it, it's home. So, so welcome home and welcome into God's house. That's the thing about hope and it always has been the thing about hope, that it's a God thing and it's not an us thing. I mean, we try really hard. But we make mistakes, and we, we've, the, the 11 o'clock service, pretty much going without a hitch so far, but I'll mess something up. Don't worry, hold on. But there were, there were services all weekend long. We accidentally played the wrong videos. Uh, we, we started with the wrong song or, or did something off. Somebody said to me last night after the Saturday service, uh, he meant well, young guy, he goes, do you guys make those mistakes on purpose so then you can preach about it? And, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, no, that's not true, that's a lie. We don't do it on purpose, it just happens. Uh, but we're pretty good at recoveries, and more important than that, it reminds us of this. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Don't fill up with yourself, because then there's no room for the Holy Spirit to fill you up. The story of hope is a story about, not, not about what we have done for God, but about what God has done for us and what God is doing through us, and how God is building and growing his church through us despite us. My grace is sufficient for you, God says in the scriptures, the promise of God. And then it goes on to say this in the Bible. It says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. My power is perfected. I don't need you to be perfect. I just need you to be willing. And I need you to be faithful. And I need you to answer my call. Don't think you're better than you really are. That's a picture of me uh, teaching Bible school the first summer we had it at our, at our first building just down the street early on. We had maybe 50 or 60 kids and we're all excited about it. 
And I still remember our theme was Adventures with Jesus. And there was a little song that just got stuck in our heads and we sang it. And, and we had this idea since the theme was Adventures with Jesus that we'd have all the kids come outside at the opening of VBS on Monday morning. And we, if somebody had access to a hot air balloon. Cool, well that's a good adventure. And we could fill up with with the Holy Spirit or something like that. And, and so we were gonna blow up the hot air balloon and some of you, just a few of you were there, will remember this. The hot air balloon, we sort of lost track of holding the hot air balloon in its place. And the bigger and stronger it got, the more it started to drift. And grown men are with all their might holding onto the ropes, trying to keep it from, from drifting off. It hits one of the brand new light poles that's hanging over the parking lot, our new church parking lot. And one of them starts to wobble and the kids think it's the coolest thing and they start running toward the light. Ah! And all the parents are going, no! And sure enough, one of the lights falls, crashes down to the ground, thankfully didn't hospitalize any of the children. But the next day, I'm not making this up, we started the Safety First Children's Committee here at home. Because we take that very seriously. We dodged a bullet that day. That Saturday was our first ever taste of hope, this idea that we'd have an open house at Hope and invite people in the neighborhood to come and get a taste of the good things God was already doing here at Hope. And so I had this bright idea that we would give people literally a taste of hope too. We'd have a, a, some of the guys in our church would have a barbecue cook-off and they got really fired up. We had like 15 guys show up with their grills and they're competing and they're trying to give everyone a taste, you know, of their great barbecue at this taste of hope celebration. And then it starts to rain. It just starts to pour. And I got this idea. It's like, well, no problem. Just bring the grills inside. I was 29, all right? I, and none of you told me not to, all right? So, so here comes a convoy of, uh, of young men with their grills, uh, a convoy of hope walking into the lobby. They fire up the grills. <laughs> Do you need me to tell you the rest of the story? The smoke rises, it sets off the alarm. The brand new sprinkler system that we just installed worked great starts spraying all of our visitors. Welcome to Hope. <laughs> Don't think you're better than you really are. It isn't our programs. It isn't our innovation. It isn't our slick. If you're looking for a slick church, not here. This is down-to-earth, authentic, God-blessed, grace-based, Bible-focused, mission-minded, Christ-centered. We're all of that, but we are not perfect. We are a Jesus church. <laughs> it's like, oh, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. That's for sure, Pastor Mike. You are not perfect. Amen. Thanks a lot. My mom led the cheer right over here. So that... Uh, 
that story doesn't even end there. The, the West Des Moines Fire Department, as they're good to do, showed up right on cue. And because there was a bad storm and we were doing construction, one of the, something got moved. One of the power poles got moved and it was loose. And during the storm, it had started to lean a little bit. And as the fire truck came down the parking lot entryway, the ladder clipped the low hanging electric wire, knocked it down and started a fire that they had to put out themselves. (laughs) It's not about us. It is a God thing from start to finish. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, but be honest about what God can do through your weakness when you're willing and you're faithful and you want to see what God can do through your church instead of what you can do for him. And you want to see, you want to see the church that he can build if you humble yourself and surrender it to him as we do over and over and over around here. Five years ago on our birthday, we set a stone outside in our main doors here in West Des Moines. It's not just a decorative stone, it's an Ebenezer rock. It comes from 1 Samuel chapter seven. That's here in West Des Moines. Each of our campuses has their own things around their building that are kind of significant to them. For us, this is one of them. And it comes from the Old Testament. It says the prophet Samuel took a single rock and He set it up and he named that rock Ebenezer, which means the rock of help. The rock of help saying, this marks the place where God helped us. This is the holy ground. This is the place where God promises to meet us when we gather together as the body of Christ for worship, for Bible studies, for mission, for fellowship events. This is where God promises to meet us. And so this is holy ground for us. This is holy ground. It was was a long time ago even before Hope started, that the first Star Wars movie came out. I think it was 1932 or something like that. (laughs) It was the 70s, and it it was the first one, even though it was episode four. Do you remember what it was called? Most people just call it Star Wars. But actually, each of the Star Wars have a name, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, all those kinds. This Star Wars, the first Star Wars, isn't really called Star Wars. Its actual title is called A New Hope. A New Hope. Luke Skywalker's about, well, let's call him 25. 25 is a good age, Hope. It's a, I know he's probably a little younger than that, but for the sake of the sermon, he's 25. He's about 25 years old. He's learned a lot growing up, but now he's an adult. Now he's an, a coming of age. He has an opportunity to, to serve and, and to go out there and, and save the, the world, really, in his case. He gets a spiritual mentor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, who comes along and teaches him the ways of of a force. It's a little new agey for us, and so we would call that force God and the Holy Spirit. And and he teaches him to walk by faith, not by sight. And then at the end of the movie, Luke blows up the the evil um, Death Star, and, and good prevails over evil, and light breaks through the darkness, and everybody wins, right? All the good guys win, and we celebrate. And so it is for us. That's our story, too, in a lot of ways. We're confident, though, that we are meant for better things, things that come with salvation, things that blow up the Death Star for people, things that break it down, not just for for a worldly life or an earthly life for us, but for, for all eternity, For all eternity, the book of Hebrews puts it this way, and it brings perspective of eternity to us in the present tense. There's this thing that happens amongst 
uh, Christians, there's always corrections that happen over the centuries if you know theology and history and doctrine. It's really fascinating if you're into it. Let me sum up just one kind of point that I want to make on that. There was this movement in, in the church in America a few generations ago where people got a little bit too focused on heaven, and so they lost track of staying focused on this world, and they stopped not caring about life in this world. And they said, well, who cares about this world? We're going to heaven. So all's well that ends well, and if, if the world goes to pot, and we don't have to love our neighbors, and we don't have to care about the issues in the world today, and we don't have to take care of God's creation, and we don't have to do any of those things. We don't have any responsibility there because we're going to heaven, so who cares about this world? Then along comes this movement to correct that because it, was, it had lost its balance, where Christians come along and they say, well, let's not even talk about heaven at all. Let's forget about our future hope and let's just focus on doing justice and working for peace here in this world. And we'll make that our main thing and we'll make that our only thing. We don't want to talk about heaven. Who knows about that? Let's just focus on what we're doing right here and right now. It was an important corrective, but now we've lost our balance again. Somewhere in there, I think it's good to have both instead of one or the other because both are biblically true. And I absolutely reject the thought that thinking about heaven in a faith-based, Bible-based way negates our care or concern for life right now in this world. Let me use an analogy that I use every five or 10 years, and it's time again, I think, on our birthday. It's our birthday, so we tell some stories of, that remind us who God has made us to be. Once upon a time, God created the heavens and the earth. Let there be light and there was light. So imagine there's a string and it starts right here at the beginning of time. God creates something out of nothing. The God who is, was, and always will be, who transcends physical creation, who was there before there's physical creation, says let there be light, and boom, existence starts to happen. From that point forward, we move through the scriptures. And who knows for sure exactly how long it was, but it was a long time between the beginning of creation and where the Bible stories really start to pick up. So let's just say we start to find Abraham and Sarah and uh, uh, Noah before that and Moses after that, and we, we trace the story. So it's a string that has the timeline of history on it. And you're just kind of following it through. There's could be billions of years here in, in the gap. And then the human race is created. Adam and Eve show up, and, and here we go. So the story moves forward, and now somewhere along the way, not very far, but somewhere along the way, from when the Bible stories really start to pick up steam, here comes Jesus, the year zero. Well, actually, technically, most historians believe he was born 4 BC because they got the calendar wrong. It's kind of like getting an extra hour of sleep. So when the Magi showed up to bring their gifts, they were refreshed. So here they come, and here comes Jesus. He's born at 4 BC. He dies around 30 AD. And let's just say that his life, take out a magic marker, and it's just a mark on this string of history. He has a starting point. He's born in Bethlehem. He has a dying point. He's crucified on the cross outside of Jerusalem. And he has this 33 years in between. Fast forward through the string, the rest of the New Testament, generations, centuries, and now this is where it gets really personal for you. You've got a mark. There's a mark that's your life on the, uh, on the string. You have a beginning, you were born, and, and you will have an end in this world. 
The beginning of the mark is the day you were born. The end of the mark is the day you will die. And then, much to some of our surprises, life is going to continue on without us. This string's going to go on. But I want to talk to you about the mark. I want to talk to you about what you're doing with that mark. Because relative to human history, it's just a little mark. But don't minimize it. Don't, don't, don't just say, oh, well, that's a nothing. It's absolutely a something. God cares about that mark. He sent his son Jesus to die for you on that mark. And we have opportunities to do things on that mark that'll make a difference forever. But we only have now to make that difference. Because in human history then, life goes on. So there is this future. Who knows exactly what the future will be like, but there is a future. Let's imagine that that string continues on and it goes out this door and it loops around the whole church and then it goes up to the Ankeny campus and the Ames campus and down to the Des Moines campus and it threads through the Grimes campus and the Waukee campus and all of our local sites. In fact, let's just add it in because we're all on the same team through every Christian church uh, all around the world. And then it laps around the world, let's say 29 times. You can pick any number you want. And it comes back through this door and from the other side and it loops back and somewhere in eternity, instead of just ending or, or taking a new trajectory, it comes back and it closes the loop so that it's an infinite loop. Well, here's the thing about a circle, a geometric object that has no end. An infinite loop doesn't have an ending point. Do you know the original Greek word for eternity in the New Testament means extremely big, bigger than you could ever imagine, and with no finish line, no ending point? Eternity in heaven isn't just twice your life on earth, or three times your life, or four times your life. It's forever. Start to consider the value of this gift if you haven't for a while. Start to try to fathom what forever will be for you. In reality, what God gives us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a new life on the mark that matters. It absolutely matters, but it's also the whole string that goes around and around and comes back and never ends. And it isn't Bill Murray in Groundhog Day. It isn't deja vu where you have to live the same day over and over and over again. Every day is brand new. What a gift our God has given to us. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. It isn't something that you can go out and buy. It is a gift of God's amazing grace for you and for me. That's forever. That's eternity. And if we know we have this gift and we know how easy it is to get it simply by putting our trust in God's amazing grace and being joined to the death and resurrection of Jesus by that trust, by that faith, that's how easy it is. It is a gift. You can't earn it. You're saved by God's grace, the Bible says. Not something you do to get it, but something I give you. It's free. How is it we keep that to ourselves again? Could there be anything more important for us to do on the mark than to tell people about eternity in Jesus Christ. Because that not only is gonna make a difference for people's eternal destinies, that's gonna make a difference for the way we live right now. We're gonna live with purpose. We're gonna hit our stride. We're gonna figure out what we were made to be. We're gonna discover what it means to be the church. Hey, Jesus says, here's your mission. Go tell people this good news. The mark isn't all there is. I'm giving them the whole strength. All they have to do is come to me, come to my cross, 
confess their sins, receive this gift of new and everlasting life, and I will give them eternity. This all comes from the book of Hebrews, which is the book we're focusing on this month, and this verse in our Bible reading today, verse 19, that says, this hope of our salvation of eternity is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. An anchor keeps a big ship from drifting off or, or, or wandering off and getting lost and all the people on the ship. An anchor keeps things in the place they need to be. And we are anchored by this promise of salvation that is grounded in God's word. It is the anchor for our souls. Knowing that we have this gift of eternity, it changes the way we live on the mark. We start to see our suffering for what it is, temporary. We start to see our mission for what it is, urgent. We start to see most important things as most important and least important things as least important. Suddenly God is not second or third or 43rd priority in our lives. He's the one who gives us the gift. We want our loved ones to know this gift so we wanna share it and we wanna do it with effectiveness and we wanna do it with joy and we wanna do it with love. We wanna do it in a way that honors and glorifies God. This hope of our salvation and salvation offered for the whole world is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. And with that in mind, we've been given this vision for the next 10 years because my goodness, as fun as it is to remember the 25 years of miracles that God has blessed us with, we've got some work to do. We've got a mission to fulfill. We've got a vision to chase after. About six, eight months ago, I gathered together a team of leaders here at the church from all of our campuses were represented, people who have vision, people who are very tight and very mature in their faith with God. I talked to the campus pastors about who would you recommend, and we put this team together, and we read scripture, and we prayed, and we met, and we had long meetings every two weeks, over and over and over again, brought it to the, to the staff leaders here at Hope, brought it to the church council. The vision that I gave, that I said, I think this is what God's calling us to do for the next 10 years. After I went away to pray for about a week, I came back, I'm like, all excited, I'm like, here it is, here's the vision, and I gave it to this team, they're like, ah! <laughs> you think you're playing it a little safe there, Pastor Mike? So let me share with you the vision. And I am convinced, as they are convinced, and we present this to you with great enthusiasm and excitement, this is where God is calling this church to go in the next decade. Buckle up. Here it is, powered by the Spirit. Everybody, every campus, let's say that together. Powered by the Spirit. Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit descends upon you. Zechariah chapter 4 says, not by your might or by your strength, but by the power of God's Spirit. You're able to do these things. Powered by the Spirit, it's the only way it's gonna work because the rest of the stuff you're about to see, you're gonna be like, how are we gonna do that? I agree, we, we aren't. God's gonna do it. God's gonna do it through us. We need to be willing participants in this. Faithful, humble, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. Here we go. Powered by the Spirit, we are going to read this next line together to bring Christ to all cultures. Matthew 28, verse 16, Jesus says the Great Commission, go and make disciples of your nation. Oh wait, do we have any Bible readers in the church? What does it say? Go and make disciples of all nations. And we don't get to vote on that. Jesus says go and make disciples of all nations, all cultures, all ethnicities, all backgrounds. 
Des Moines, Iowa is getting more multiracial, multiethnic, multicultural. Praise God for that. We are not here. Whatever culture you call your culture may not be my culture. My culture may not be your culture, but we are one in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.28 says, in Christ there is neither slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male nor female, but we are all one. We are all united in Jesus Christ. And so our mission is not just to reach people like you, like me, like whoever, but to reach all cultures, all nations. The second part of that, powered by the Spirit, to bring Christ to all cultures. Next part, let's read this together. And revive the world with God's love. Most important part of that phrase, because every church prays for revival. We all want to see it. Most important part of this is the with God's love part. That's the part too many Christians are missing these days. They're missing it. We wander away, and when we make it all about us and, and what we want to do, or worse, we start to shame people and thinking that's going to lead to repentance. To get revival, there has to be repentance. To get repentance, now this is the question, isn't it? To lead people to repentance, what's your strategy? Too many Christians today say, my strategy to lead the world around me to repentance is to shame them, to self-righteously condemn them, to act like I'm better than they are, which I'm not. To, 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 to play the, 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 the spiritually superior card around them. What does Romans chapter two, verse four says? What leads to repentance according to the Bible? It is your kindness, Lord, that leads to repentance. It is your love, Lord, that leads to repentance. And so we will continue to be a church that leads with love. We will be a church that continues to be Bible-based in this way. John chapter 13, Jesus says, you can sum up all of my commandments, all of my laws, by simply doing this. Love one another the way I have loved you. Powered by the Spirit to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love. People will say, yeah, the old vision statement, I think I see it in there. You sure do. Spirited, growing, and Christ-centered. We are called to be a spirited church, to be growing by bringing Christ to all cultures, and to be Christ-centered, which means to be centered in God's love. High five. What do you think? All right. So... <laughs> I've wanted to do that for a long time. <laughs> Praise God for Jocelyn. How many years have you been doing this? For 14 years, she's been bringing the gospel to people who wouldn't be able to hear it by hearing my voice. So way to go. Let your light shine. Powered by the Spirit. I don't know what you did. But whatever it was, good for you to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love, and just as a nice PS and an important one, let's read this, and make heaven more crowded. Invite people from the mark to the whole string. Invite people to share the good news so that they can hear and they can know, and their eternal destinies will be changed. You say, well, that's, that's good, but how about some specifics? I'm glad you asked. Underneath this vision statement, here are the 10 for 10 goals. And you'll be hearing more about these over the next several weeks of this sermon, but I just want to introduce them to you today. Number one, strap in. I mean, <laughs> this is the one where the vision team's like, ah, oh, you're dreaming way too small. And so we ended up with this. Broadcast the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ to 10 million people in 10 years. You're like, we're going to need a bigger parking lot. No, well, maybe, but uh, no, not here. We don't have any room for it. We'll just start more churches. But it isn't just about bringing people to church. It is that. 
It's about bringing the church to people where they reside. And we live in a time, a digital age, when that is easier than it's ever been before. We have a new YouTube channel that uh, our youth ministry started recently. What if that went viral? Do you know how many people are on YouTube? 10 million would be nothing. I'm starting a new podcast in a few weeks, which was named for me by our wonderfully creative communications team. They came up with the name Pastor Mike Drop. So we're gonna do, I know. So, so look for that. I preached on mic drops a few weeks ago and I shouldn't have. So, so how many people, what, what if something goes viral? What, what, if, what if one of our discipleship classes goes viral? What, what if one of our, our we, we've got musicians who are starting to write original songs. What, what if one of those goes viral and the gospel goes out? To bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world where the world resides. There's more information about each of these 10 goals in this document. You can pick that up on the way out or you can look it up on our website. We're going to add the biblical foundation for those on the website this week too because that's what it was all about from the beginning. I've got a few minutes to cover the next nine, so this is gonna go fast. Number two, build bridges of harmony. You've heard lots of sermons about that in the last year because we live in a divided and a distracted and a misled culture, cultures, and we don't wanna be a part of that division. We wanna be a part of the harmony. That does not mean in some sort of naive, pie-in-the-sky way that we are going to be a church that pretends that we all believe the same thing or that there's only one way to view political issues because that's more biblical in some cases. That's true, and where there are justice issues, we will proclaim those without hesitation and with courage. We'll continue to do that, but we won't do it for the sake of politics. You belong to a church where the governor of Iowa and the attorney general of Iowa, a conservative Republican and a liberal Democrat, both attend here, and they are one in Christ, and they publicly proclaim that, even though they also publicly disagree mightily on all sorts of issues. Because we are a church that is not left-wing or right-wing, we're for the whole bird. We are going after everybody. And we will not let the mission of Jesus Christ be minimized and make it all about some political issue on the mark when we've got a whole string to point people to. And we've got a whole new life to point them to right here and right now. That's number two. I said I'd go faster. I didn't. Now I really will. Number three, surf new waves of revival sent to the church by the Holy Spirit, filled with his spirit, empowered by the spirit. Number four, we will serve our neighbors in need as the hands and feet of Jesus. So whatever campus you're at, your city will look different in 10 years because of you, because Lutheran Church of Hope is in that city. Number five, not just city changers, but world changers. We will construct new church buildings all over the world. Do you know that in the last 25 years, Lutheran Church of Hope has constructed over 300 new church buildings in villages in Africa where they didn't know Jesus Christ? And today, oh, it gets even better. Today, hold this, and then you can applaud. Today, over 80,000 people on an average Sunday will show up at the churches you built, Lutheran Church of Hope, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. 80,000? We got some work to do. We've got some churches to build. Number six, we want to compete for the hearts of new generations. We're brokenhearted at the surveys and the studies that come out, and we feel it, and we sense it, and we know that it's happening, that now 26% of Americans call themselves agnostic or atheist. That's up from 17% just 10 years ago. Sobering. 
We want to be a part of fighting back against that. Not because we're like, oh, atheists and agnostics, you're the enemy. Let's fight. We love atheists and agnostics. Surprise. We genuinely love you. We genuinely do. And I know I'm preaching to some right now. I'm not naive about that. I know that that's the case. But we're not giving up on you. We're not giving up on generations that have wandered away from God. We're just not giving up. So we're going to build the best ministries for young generations. And we're going to compete for the hearts of young people. Number seven, we are going to move people around the circle of hope and continue to make disciples, challenging you to grow from seeker to believer to follower to servant leader. Who knows if the next Billy Graham or Mother Teresa isn't one of the kids in the choir today or somebody at another campus who will rise up because they grew up in a church that heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and they got the spark and the church didn't fall into ditches of fundamentalism or or, or relativism or turning it into slick performances. But we were here to worship Jesus Christ, not pastors or worship leaders or, 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 or church councils. We are here to worship God. And we want to grow and be faith builders. Number eight, we want to launch 10 new local sites, Lord campuses. We want to launch 10 new partnerships with existing churches over the next 10 years. I think that's a little conservative. Number nine, we want to develop hope's ability to revive the world by growing the Hope Foundation, investing, uh, putting in our wills and our trusts, investments that will leave a legacy, that will have an eternal impact. We, we have opportunities for that. We want our next, it's, by 10 years from now, when God calls us to start a new campus or a local site, we want to say, it's already funded. It's already covered. We don't have to take out mortgages. We don't have to go in debt. It's already funded by the faithfulness of people who left a legacy, who said, I want to invest in things that are going to last forever in a church that has fully embraced that biblical call. Number 10, last but not least, we want to love those who are broken, broke, tired, scared, sick, imprisoned, lost, or wandering, addicted. The list goes on and on and on. We want to be a church after God's own heart. Because God has written his name on your heart. That's what the scriptures say. Back to that mark, right? When you were baptized, those of you who've been baptized, and if you haven't, I invite you to consider it. Some pastor somewhere put the mark of the cross on your forehead and said you were sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked with this cross of Christ forever. Did you know the original Greek word For Holy Spirit, one of the words for Holy Spirit actually translates into signature. The Holy Spirit is God's signature on your soul. And in baptism, that symbol is given that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit. You are signed by God and you are marked with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. The Holy Spirit is God's signature on your heart on those things that are bigger than the material and the physical things, the things that run deeper, the things that last forever, the things that are eternal. You have been sealed for eternity by the grace of God. You've been marked with the cross of Christ, of Jesus Christ, that gives new life now on the mark and gives eternal life forever. God has already named you. You're already written into the book of life. If you hear this good news and receive it and put your trust in it, in Jesus Christ, Romans 10, 9 gives this promise. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved, period. 
Not you're saved if you do all these other good things and, and, and do all these spiritual things and practice all these disciplines and do it. No, you do that stuff because you're saved, not to get saved. God has already written your name into the book of life. You're on the string. Keep that faith. Hold on to that faith. Share that good news and that faith with the world around you. And now you're given an opportunity to, to write back to God. Habakkuk 2 puts it this way. Write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so they can be read on the run. The vision, the message is a witness pointing to what's coming. We ache for it. We wait for it. It's on its way. And we sign our names to participate in it. Just as God has signed his name into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, he said yes to us. We're gonna close the service by giving you an opportunity to sign your name. I'll turn it over to the campus pastors at each campus who are taking their own instructions. And some of the campuses are staying with me right now. So at our West Des Moines, can we give God praise for the new vision? That's incredible. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, we're not playing it small because we don't have a small God. We have a really, really, really big God. And we, we're going to respond to that in a couple different ways today. At the West Des Moines campus, what Mike was talking about is they ripped up all the old carpet and they're having people sign the floor. We kind of like our floor, at least for the next few months. Uh, so we're not going to do that. But I will tell you this, on your chairs, on the chair next to you, there is a colored piece of paper that looks like that and pens on every other chair. This is an all play. This is for everybody. You're going to want to do this. Um, God has written his signature on your heart. And we want you to participate in what's going on in the future of this church, whether you've been here your whole life or whether this is your first day, which for some of you it is. And praise God for that. That's awesome. You are more a part of this than you know. You're more a part of this new vision than you know because you're here because either somebody invited you and had the courage to do that, that they weren't complacent and said, well, I found a great church home. This is pretty cool. I'll, I'll just come and be happy myself. No, they went back the next week and said, I got to invite some people because this good news is way, way, way too good to keep to myself and just consume a service each week and go home. It's got to be more than that. Or you're here because the power of the Holy Spirit led you here and because somebody has been praying for you. And I know that for a fact. Because about six years ago, when Hope Des Moines was at a third, a quarter of the size that we are now, there was a group of people that had a vision to have a permanent building because we were worshiping in an elementary school gym. And they saw a former car dealership and said, hey, uh, this could be a church. And they wrote prayers for you the people that would be filling this up. Crazy dreams of like someday there'll be people that sitting up in the loft because we need the space or there'll be people sitting in the lobby and around the bend in the lobby like there was at our first service today. They're praying for you for the very seats you're sitting in now and what they did is they wrote on these cards and as we were building out this building, the last thing that we did is dumped hundreds of these cards with prayers for you on them and we put them in that wall that's right over the back of the worship center. And they are literally in that wall. 
so that every time, whether you've come for the last five years to this campus or this is your first day, every time you walk into the worship center and every time you walk out, you are literally covered in prayer. People have been praying for you and now would you do that for others? Would you do that for others? And so we want to invite you to take that pen and I want you to write a prayer for our new building, our new facility that we're moving to in just a few months. And I don't know if it'll be a part of the floor as we renovate and do some new carpet and flooring and if it'll be a part of a wall, but your prayers will literally be a part of the new building. So think about it and ask God, what do you want to do through me? What do you want to pray through me for the people that will be coming, for the hundreds, for the thousands of people that have come and met the love of Jesus Christ here? So pray about it and think about it and write that down. And then on your way out today, we're going to encourage you to bring that back to the Welcome Center, to the campaign display where you'll see renderings of the the, uh, architectural renderings that our architect did of the renovations that we're going to do in this new space that has a 700-seat auditorium and a, and a full-scale gym and a, a huge fellowship hall with a big kitchen. I mean, we just, the list goes on and on. We could not be more excited. But here's the thing. As you write those prayers, they matter. The first phrase in our new vision, powered by the Spirit, aka, it's not about you and it's not about me. It's not about us. Amen? It's about the power of the Spirit. Nothing could be more important. Nothing could be more important. So take those prayers seriously and say, God, who do you want me to pray for? What do you want me to pray for over this new space? And again, if you want to learn more about that, I would encourage you, especially if you're new or if you've just come in the last year and you want to learn about who we are, grab one of those packets on the way out. We want to encourage you to check that out. And then on your way out, you'll drop them off in the basket at the campaign table. You can grab a packet that's the 10 for 10 vision, which explains everything that Mike talked about today. You can grab one of these campaign packets as well. And let's be the church together. And if you want to stay for a little bit and pray into that and think about that, that's totally fine. But we want to give you a chance to respond in that way. We also want to give you a chance to respond in worship today. We have a God that is mighty to save. And we want to respond to this good news, to this gospel, this good news that we have to share as a church. So wherever you are, hold on to those prayers. Stand wherever you are, and the worship team is going to lead us in worship as we close. Let's stand together.